When you need your work truck to work as hard as you do, trust Delphi Technologies to deliver the parts built for the toughest work environments. From construction sites to long distance hauling, go with the aftermarket supplier known for its 100 plus years of OE heritage and expertise. Go to DelphiAftermarket.com today. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ross. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome today the incoming chair of the Automotive Industries Association of Canada, or depending on when you listen to it, the chair of the Automotive Industries Association of Canada, uh, coming in officially at the AGM in May of 2022. Uh, Jason Yurchak. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, great to be here. Yeah, so. it's, great, it's great to have you. Now, for for those who who uh, you know you've been in the aftermarket for <laughs> longer than we all care to admit uh, of a certain age, but uh, for those folks who aren't really familiar with with uh, who you are and and your involvement in the aftermarket, uh, tell them who's uh, Jason Yurchak and uh, tell us a little bit about your aftermarket journey. So I started out back in about nineteen eighty seven, I guess. Uh, just finishing college, I actually went to college for to be an electronics technologist. And but as I finished up, I discovered that I wasn't so much interested in that as I was in uh, working on working on my car. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a little different track. I'm going to try the auto parts industry, the automotive industry in general. So I looked around. I actually found a job as uh, driver slash counter guy at a little independent import parts jobber downtown Toronto and uh, started off my career there. So I stayed there for about a year and then I moved over to the dealership side and I was working for Volvo dealers for about five years. And then I became friends with our shop foreman and he was opening his own shop um, in Richmond Hill, Ontario and when when he finally opened, he asked me if I'd like to come over and run the front end. So that was my, I guess, first forwarding into the aftermarket and uh, sort of working as a parts and service advisor at an independent repair shop or ASBs as we call them now. <laughs> as, we, as we call them now. And, and, and you know, it occurs to me that, that that foray into the sort of what we used to refer to as the import side of the business uh, is kind of carried through to to where you are today. Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, where you are today then. So after about three years at the shop, you know, it was a little, you know, internal business there, but with the uh, accounting, which you never hire a bad accountant in business. That's something all shop owners should do, hire a good accountant. But uh, so being a guy who didn't turn wrenches full time, I was looking for a job. <laughs> so I'd applied a few places, dealerships, and uh, I had a few offers out there, but it was interesting. A friend of mine who uh, used to work at a dealership with me worked for a company called Metrics. Um, so I went and had an interview with them, and it sounded very interesting. It was not the dealership dealing with the retail and side of the business, which I really wasn't a fan of anyways when I did it. So they hired me, they hired me on as a part salesman over the phone. And 
it's been quite a journey since then. So six weeks into working for Metrics, um, we had at the time one location in Mississauga, and they were in the process of opening a new uh, warehouse in Vancouver. So it was their second Canadian location. Um, they asked me if I'd be interested in moving out to Vancouver. At the time, I was 27 in Signal, and when I realized that's the one place in Canada it doesn't snow, <laughs> I, I was all in. So it turned out that on my 90-day anniversary of working for the company was actually my first day working in Vancouver. So picked up, packed up, moved out west, and I've been there ever, ever since. Although over the last 10, 11 years, I do commute back and forth to Toronto all the time, but you know, metrics evolved from being, you know, four lines, basically Mercedes, BMW, Volkswagen, Porsche, into all the all the uh, European lines, and then all the Japanese, and now you know, Worldpack bought us in 1999, and then GPI, which was the parent company of CarQuest, bought us in 2004, and then in I guess 2014 we were acquired by Advanced Auto Parts. So. It's been quite the journey and uh, very happy. It's been a very fun journey and it's still fun every day. So that's the best part. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you're happy to get started and go to work, that's the in any profession, that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you'll find much disagreement out there. I mean, uh, certainly, uh, you know, the, the importance of, of, uh, Enjoying what you do on a most days, anyways. We all have days. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's super important. Now that's you know it, from the outside, I see a track here. You know, I said I mentioned kind of the import specialist track, but really through the distribution with some good experience at the at the front end, though, uh, in front of the customer with the ASP. Um, now you know times have changed over the years from the early days when you mentioned yep. as uh, you know metrics one of the very early import specialist uh, distributors out there yep. uh, you know evolving from the four lines to you know uh, really really broad offerings um you know how has your experience helped prepare you for for dealing what we're you know all kind of dealing with these days do you take lessons from the history is it all new all the time or you know you what's know what take on that i've always found you have to be open to change um, because everything, you know, everything changes, whether it's in business or in life, you have to always be open to change. Um, I've seen a lot of businesses fail over the years because you talk to them. It's like, I've run my business this way for 25 years and it's worked for me for 25 years. I'm not changing it. I don't need a computer. I rate my work orders by hand. You know, the first dealership that I ran as a parts manager, we were still using a Cardex system. And, you know, for those of you, I'm going to say for most of the people listening to this, probably what that was, was you actually had a card in a file. And at the end of the day, you had to take your invoices and mark off what parts you sold on these little cards. And that's how you kept track of your inventory. Because I'm going to say the majority of people now probably don't even remember that. Um, but looking at it um, overall, I mean, we've seen proliferation of computers like world pack was in 1998 was the first company to launch online ordering and everyone thought all oh, this is a fad the internet's a fad it's never going to go away right it's never it's going to go away and no one's going to ever use this no one's going to order auto parts online and now you look at 
everywhere and it's common practice with every company you know even on a personal level and for sure over the last two years i think every one of us has accelerated the proliferation of ordering everything online you know we were stuck in our houses for months on end and you know the big online retailers certainly gained shares that you know Again, if you could go back in time, it would have been smart to buy shares in some of those companies, I don't know, two and a half years ago. But again, it comes down to the whole adapt and change. So you have to be ready to accept new technologies. Um, With that, you know, learn them, training, everything else. It's very important. And the, the good businesses, the good shops will adapt and survive. It's like evolution. You know, the strong, the strong survive and the weak don't, or if you're, you know, if you're not willing to invest in your future, you're not really going to have a future in this industry. Yeah, let me just, uh, I just want to kind of dig into that a little bit, because one of the things you mentioned is, you know, obviously organizations, uh, you know, have evolved and, and had to adopt technology, but you also mentioned, uh, you know, kind of on a personal basis to, to, to learn those technologies too, not assuming, uh, presumably, leave it up to the IT department, right? I mean, is that an important uh, component of what you see uh, for success in both personally and, and uh, enterprise-wide for uh, for aftermarket? Well, well, definitely. So, I mean, in a business setting, you've got, like, I mean, I've learned, I've, I do tons of stuff on Excel. I mean, I'm a data, I'm a data nerd. I love to look into all these details. And I taught myself Excel. And, but now as generations, like, we're on a Zoom call right now. You know, two years ago, if you asked me what Zoom was, I would have said that my car makes when I accelerate. <laughs> now, n- nowadays, we've got all these emerging technologies that we're using every day, whether it's, you know, on CRMs, which are used at all levels of business, even, you know, a lot of shops are using them right now to keep track of their customers. Um, but at a shop level, you're looking at the emerging technologies and what you have to learn now. I mean, you change a tire now, you've got TPMS sensors. You can't just have some kid that you're paying 12 bucks an hour to switch tires over on the machine. You've actually got it. Sensors, you got to test. You change a battery in a lot of cars. You've got to go in there with a tester and program the computer to tell it's a new battery. The simplest jobs that used to, there used to be available in the automotive installation side, you need, technology now right right so so you know looking at that and kind of bringing it home to to your uh, role uh as chair within the automotive industries association of canada i mean how does that how do you see that experience and that outlook applying to the activities and roles uh moving forward with the association well so over the last over in the last year I was chair of the, we had an education committee and we brought together a lot of the, you know, the brightest young minds and it across a good cross section of the industry from, you know, the chain installer side, manufacturers, distributors um, to talk about training and what is the future of training for the automotive aftermarket. Now there is a wealth of training out there right now. Um, It's just sort of bringing that all together in sort of a, and that's one of the things we looked at is bringing it sort of all together in a place, whether it's a repository or something, where everyone in the automotive aftermarket, if you want to take a class on ADAS or one of the, you know, high voltage systems, 
um, to all these HID headlights on these new cars. I used to change the head, headlight bulbs on my car. I won't touch them on my car because the high voltage right. system, and I'm not messing with 25,000 volts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort of a repository for that. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that a major source of income for the AIA is the ICAR training we do for the collision side. You know, collisions become a big part of our association. Um, a lot of people may still have the you know impression that you know it's a bunch of DIA, which I think originally it was founded as it's a bunch of WDs got together and they formed the association. It is much wider now. Collision plays a big piece. Everything else, so a big portion, and it's something that's near dear to my heart because I've been working with my own with our own company for years, is getting out the knowledge of education and how important it is to the ASPs of today because you know with right to repair out there um you know it's it's going you know they're working on it in the states we've got you know the bill up here that's hopefully will go through it looks very like it's very good case case of it going through this year um getting that thing but right to repair is one thing having access to the that information is great but like anything else, you need to you need to know how to use that information, right? And that's where the training piece comes in. Right, right. How how uh, uh, large is the training gap in your estimation at the ASP level? Yeah, at the ASP level. Yeah. You know, it all depends. Like a, a lot of big organ, the, the bigger chain organizations. Um, do a really good job of training their technicians. They have their own internal training courses. Um, in the aftermarket in general, with the end of, you know standalone independence, um, there are a lot of WDs, manufacturers, um, you know, companies like us, Napa, you know, it's like they offer training programs. I mean, we've got our own SDX next week in Florida, which is the largest aftermarket training program in North America. Um, so there is a lot of training out there, but it goes back to my first point is pointing these shops to where that training is. I know a lot of, you know, I still get out there and talk to a lot of shops and a lot of our customers and I mean, you know, at automotive shops, not just dealing with us or one of the other suppliers they are dealing with uh, all of us. So there is training out there. And that was a consensus our training committee came to is there is enough training out there. It's just, a pointing the shops towards it and B convincing sometimes some of these shop owners and techs that they need this training, right? We'll be right back after this. Did you know that Delphi technologies is the only OE full line fuel supplier? Go with the global aftermarket supplier with over 3,200 SKUs covering more than 280 million vehicles in operation and with parts tested in OE durability and reliability conditions to ensure a quality fit and performance. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. Right. So it's a multi... Uh, faceted battle. I, I know there are certainly ASPs out there who've taken very much a kind of a custom approach where they they'll shut the shop down for a day or two and and just get yep. uh, live training and and do it because 
you know, they feel that, that, that they can really get the focus of their, of their, uh, their team on the training, uh, you know, at, at those times. And, and uh, to some degree, you know, this is a concern we hear often, uh, you know, uh, you know, jobbers and, and distributors saying, you know, hey, we can't get people to come to training and the shops saying, hey, we can't get uh, the distributors and the jobbers to give us the training when we want it. Uh, right. So, you know, not in the evenings, uh, not on the weekends sometimes. I mean, and then some are, hey, listen, it's got to be on the evening or the weekend because I'm not pulling guys off jobs. So, you know, there's not one solution, right? So. No. And, and you know what? And I think, again, going back to technology, the last two years, have proven that you don't necessarily have to do that. We, I know our organization has brought in a lot of online training and even some in-depth technical online training. And those courses aren't necessarily, you know, geared towards a certain time of day or day of the week, right? So there are options out there now. Um, and that's, I think that's very important because with the online piece, you can hit a wider, much wider audience than we could before doing even in-person training. In-person training on a lot of things is still essential. There's a lot of things that you can do online, but there's some actually getting your hands in there and working on it. You, you kind of need that touchy-feely piece. I, I, to use a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So how, how important, I mean, that's the, 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 you know, training at the ASP level, and certainly there's training all up and down, uh, whether it's on uh, basic technologies like uh, using, you know, virtual technologies or, or other systems that are, you know, continually changing business systems uh, for everybody up and down the supply chain. You know, I don't think there's a day goes by that I don't look at a new tool and say, uh, you know, a new uh, business tool and say, hey, will that work for the business, you know, and will it or will it not? And 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 always in that is what's the, what what's the ramp up time, right? So it's like, how long is it going to take for people to learn it and get it really working where it needs to be. It's a consideration, but, but for you as the chair, it sounds like that training piece is going to be really important in, in as far as a key initiative uh, for, for the, your, your uh, in the big seat, right? It, it is, it is that, that to me, it's one of the most important things. I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously other things we're going to be working on, but I mean, for me, training is always at the forefront. I mean, and the last, obviously, um what's going on in the world today um with the price of oil what's going on in europe definitely accelerating um the pace of people wanting to elect go with the electric the electrification route right um i was watching the news this morning before i came into the office and they were saying they did a poll and 30 percent of people said they were looking at changing over to an electric vehicle. I mean, we've been, I think in Canada, we had up to like nine or 10% last year of vehicles sold were electric. Now, there are other pieces with the electrification piece. We need more charging stations throughout North Canada, especially um, to make those viable. You know, Canada is a vast area with a lot of open spaces and you don't run a, <laughs> run out of uh, juice between Sudbury and Thunder Bay, right? <laughs> stations, um, which they're probably few and far between up there, right? So- A little bit, yeah. You, you have to have sort of a national network of these to make it really viable. Now in the big cities, 
where obviously with where pollution and everything else, there are a lot of options. I know in our new building we just moved into here, they haven't installed them yet. They're supposed to be installing 10 charging stations here. Right. So, I mean, looking to the future, electric cars are going to be an important part of the industry. And again, it goes back to training. We need a lot of training to be able to work on these cars. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, obviously, that's a that's you know a, a key a challenge for for everybody in yep. the aftermarket landscape uh, today and and tomorrow. Uh, what about other challenges that come to mind? Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, right for repair, obviously, but but are there other things that come to mind that that will be at least a part of the focus uh, over the next year and beyond? Well, for, from an industry perspective, I mean, I look, you look at the association from an industry perspective, and I go back to the WD piece and just manufacturing in general. Like, I mean, we've seen consolidation in our industry for years. And on the Canadian side, you know, especially over the last two years with COVID and companies downsizing, remote work, um, you see a lot of the decision making moving outside of Canada, right? So, you don't have as much of those people in the organization involved anymore. And then when the decision-making moves out of Canada, now you've got to convince the American office why they should support AIA Canada, right? So from that point of view, that, that, that is a challenge, right? But, you know, we've been working, this has been an ongoing issue for years. Um, COVID seems to have accelerated it, but um, I've got, you know, Personally, I know a lot of people in this industry, so we can still keep that going. But you have to look at, as again, from the association side now, how do we expand our, in, our, our association with that happening? So that's, that's a big piece of it, too. We have to look at the big picture and who's going to be involved with the association. And, uh, you know, we, we tried to go the ASAP program a few years back. That didn't exactly go the way as planned, and so now we're you know we're looking at different options on how we sure sure yeah I mean there's always a you know a, like a a lot of uh, areas of the aftermarket that are on what I refer to as the services side of the industry yeah you know are constantly challenged to to prove their worth and and to reinforce their value and and to adjust as as things are adjusted now now if you had one message for you know the aftermarket uh, what to expect from Jason Yurchak during uh, your upcoming uh, year in, in the big chair, as we say, what would it be? I could say expect the unexpected, but <laughs> <laughs> I think the big thing is, you know, try and for looking at the edu education where, you know, to bullet point it, looking at education is a key part for the, for the aftermarket in general, um, looking at, the AIA Association, where we're going and how we can, you know, continue to keep the members we have or expand our membership in different ways and uh, how, with the education, how we can influence training. Those are that, that, that's the biggest, in my mind, those are the biggest pieces, you know, looking at also looking at working with the division, the various divisions to see what we can do there to help them out. They've been you know, a lot of division activities with the AIA have always been focused on fundraising for charities and stuff. A lot of that, you know, with people working from home over the last couple of years, a lot of that sort of went by the wayside. So 
I want to sit down and talk to them and see what's their vision on, on what their what the divisions can bring to bring to AIA, what they want to do as well. You know, we've got a wealth of knowledge of this industry, you know, not just on the board and the committees, but in all these divisions across Canada. You've got some very, very the smartest people in the industry, in my mind. And let's all get together and, you know, we've got all this wealth of knowledge. Let's use it. Well, what a great way to great way to end up our conversation. Uh, Jason, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. You're listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast, brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at indiegarage.ca and jobbernation.ca, a brand of chat integrated media. Pothole damage to a vehicle's chassis is always a concern, no matter the size or time of year. If the worst does happen, you can count on Delphi Technologies steering and suspension parts to get your customers back on the road again. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com.